hijacking, Katie. One of the more interesting tactics from from software's Souls games and their siblings, often referred to by the community as either Souls-likes or Soulsborns, is how purposefully oblique they are. Very little of the story is given to the player in the typical game methodology of reach landmark moment, get story cutscene. Instead, we as a player are given a rundown of some themes and major characters at the start, and then it's pretty much off to the races. Huge, important plot details, history, and character motivations are delivered through dialogue with non-player characters, item descriptions, and environmental storytelling, much of which is pretty easy to miss if the player isn't seeking it out and occasionally peeking at guidance that the community has provided. So much that an entire cottage industry of Souls lore creators has cropped up on YouTube. One character in particular, Dark Sun Gwendolyn, is spoken of with masculine pronouns and terminology in-game, but is, let's say, more than a little transcoded, both in story and in her presentation. I will be using she-her pronouns for Gwendolyn. A feminine youngest sibling in a family of gods whose lower half is made of snakes and holds her toxic, broken family together with little credit to herself while hiding behind the shadow of her much more traditionally feminine sister. And that's why Dark Sun Gwendolyn from Dark Souls is totally trans. I'm Katie Coleman. I'm a playwright, composer, and queer trans woman, and my pronouns are she, her. I am Jacqueline Clyde, a comics retailer and games retailer, a pop culture enthusiast, and a queer trans woman, and my pronouns are she and they. And I'm Olivia June. I'm a graphic designer, occasional game streamer, and bisexual but painfully sapphic trans woman. My pronouns are she, her, and my legs are made of snakes. This is Totally Trans, Searching for the Trans Canon, where we talk about some of the most well-known figures from film, literature, and media. And tell you why we think they deserve to be part of the transcultural canon. And this week, I am going to tell you why Dark Sun Gwendolyn from Dark Souls is Totally Trans. Dark Souls is an action RPG video game developed by From Software and published by Bandai Namco for all systems in 2011. Although, of course, it was created by hundreds of people, it's considered an auteur game after its director, Hidetaki Miyazaki. And if you're unfamiliar with Dark Souls or the Dark Souls series, you probably only know one thing about it. Dark Souls hard. And while it is not an easy game, I'm here to tell you, it is not the punishing, hardcore, penis-measuring contest the marketing makes it out to be. When Miyazaki was a kid, he got into game books, which were basically like a combination between Choose Your Own Adventure and D&D. You had a character, you rolled dice, but you played alone with a book in front of you. He devoured these and also Western RPGs. Quick sidebar, although many things are different and a lot of genres bleed into one another, these two genres are loosely defined not just by where they were made, but by content. Japanese RPGs, or JRPGs, are traditionally about set characters and complex story, usually saving the world, often by killing and dethroning God, a trait which does in fact carry over to our subject matter, with less focus on active gameplay, and traditionally, but not always, use turn-based battles. Western RPGs usually focus more on player interaction with the world, and complex or innovative gameplay, and traditionally used real-time battle. These distinctions mean less and less as time goes by, but a good shorthand is Final Fantasy vs. Skyrim. It's role-playing in the sense of fulfilling a set role in the narrative, versus role-playing in the sense of being a bit of a blank slate, improvising your way through the world that the developers have designed for you. So, anyway... Miyazaki was playing these Western games like sorcery, and he didn't speak English, so it was difficult for him to understand what was going on and what was being asked of him. He found the challenge to be a big part of the fun. So when he started developing Demon Souls, the precursor to Dark Souls, he wanted to include that sense of being lost, being small and helpless in a confusing world where you kind of don't speak the language. And some sickos like that sort of thing. I guess it's us? We're sickos? So, Dark Souls is a Western-style RPG that happens to be made by a Japanese studio. You are set loose in a horrible place called Lordran, where a curse has been unleashed that means people don't die when they should. They simply wake up from the last time they rested at a bonfire. This was a wild bit of innovation, as it gives an in-universe explanation for why you die and get to try again. 
So the plot of the game is sparse and honestly very hard to figure out without reading a ton of item descriptions, and it requires you to make assumptions and piece things together with incomplete information, but I'll boil it down to this. The world is changing. A long time ago, dragons ruled the world and humans barely survived. A bunch of humans banded together and took down the dragons, complete with a quizzling dragon to help them, and set up the kingdom of Lordran. This created the Age of Fire. But Lord Gwyn, the king of the land, has been keeping the first flame, the magical essence that keeps the world running, for a long time, and he needs someone to succeed him. You, the chosen undead, must fight through Lordran, defeat the monsters and lords, and all of Gwyn's accomplices, to take their souls, become more and more powerful, and rekindle the first flame, and keep the world as we know it alive. Or not. Anyway, a little more than halfway through the game, you come to the capital, a place called Anorlando. And while the rest of the game is all spooky castles, fortresses filled with traps, flooded ghost cities, and literal shit-covered shantytowns, Anorlando is beautiful. Sun-dappled classical architecture and wide-open terraces and balconies, and after beating a pair of the hardest bosses in the game, a couple of really angry guys called Ornstein and Smo, you meet Guinevere, the king's daughter. Gwyn subscribes to the George Foreman convention of naming children. She's a giantess lounging on a divan, and while she's friendly and gives you an amazing item that helps you fast travel around the world, you can also attack her. You can't reach her with a sword, but if you shoot her with magic or an arrow, she instantly disappears. She was only an illusion. In fact, all of the city was an illusion. The sun goes out, the city suddenly seems menacing, well, more menacing, different enemies show up, and hidden behind an illusory wall a couple of stories down from the princess, you'll find Gwyn's other child. Gwendolyn. Assigned male at birth, Gwendolyn had an affinity for the moon, and thus was raised as a daughter. Does she, you know, have an affinity for the moon? Also, there is no mention of Gwendolyn when others speak of Gwen's children. No statue, or even an empty space like there is for Gwen's eldest child. So, we'll get more into her in the discussion. Oh, honey, I have an affinity for the moon. The game was a huge success, and spawned several sequels, both direct and spiritual, the most recent of which is Elden Ring the best-selling game in the series, and considered by many to be the perfection of the ideas in Dark Souls. And in every game, for some reason, there's just so much gender stuff. We'll focus on Gwendolyn today, but the whole series has got vibes. Let's just say that. Okay, so... Yeah. Um, uh, let's, uh, so let's go around and say what our, uh, our first experiences with uh, Dark Souls are. Um, Olivia. So... I actually came to Dark Souls in a fairly unconventional order. Um, I very much subscribe to the boy, these games look difficult uh, theory for a very long time and dabbled a bit with some friends that played them and really their skill sets were just too far ahead of mine when trying it. So I sort of wrote them off as games that weren't for me. But when Bloodborne came around, a spinoff made exclusively for the PlayStation 4 and unfortunately still stuck there, I really was taken by the aesthetic of the game and decided to give it a shot. And my first character, I tried to make balanced specifications wise, which is not how you play these games. And I got about a third of the way through it before restarting and having a much better time. I then played Dark Souls 3 as it came out, which actually features our character today, and we'll get back to that. And then played Dark Souls Remastered, Dark Souls 2, Attempted Sekiro, and most recently, Platinum Elden Ring, which is my game of the year. I know we're only halfway through it, but... I have no qualms in saying that. Yeah. Jack, what about you? Um, oh gosh, my first experience with these games was not actually like playing them weirdly enough. Um, so I have a I had a friend group when I was in high school that was definitely straight people TM. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them are straight now, um, except for I think maybe one. Um, but they like got like really, really, really into Bloodborne. Um, and so they had, I think, 
they were just like sort of like really taken with the aesthetics of that game, which if anybody is not aware of how that game looks, it's sort of a weird body horror set in like a gothic Victorian kind of setting with like a good bit of like weird science type stuff involved in it. Like there are a lot of like highly mechanized weapons and things like buzz saws and shit like that. And it like looks really cool. Yeah, it um, rolls. I think Bloodborne that it rolls. sort yeah. of it's so yeah, good. it's so good. It just and, pings like yeah. an aesthetic meter that like I think if you're a trans girl, Bloodborne just like right there, straight <laughs> at the bullseye. Um, it's like, oh, you mean gothic horror stuff and body horror? Please sign me right up. Gimme, gimme. Um, so uh, they were playing that, and I was sort of just like watching because I am not like much of a gamer anymore. Um, but I was sort of, uh, enjoying how this worked, how this looked, and the, my friend who was piloting just was like, what if we, um, what if we just turned our D&D game into this? Like, what if we just made, made it look like this? What if we just, what if we just played Bloodborne? So we did. Um, and I got very heavily invested in learning about this weird-ass world. Um, and then from there sort of was just like, what if I gave it a shot? So I gave it a shot. Um, and then, of course, like, I transitioned, and years later, like, all, all these things like the gender change coffin and stuff uh, suddenly make a lot more sense to me as I'm, like, playing this game, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I guess the TLDR is that I went in uh, trying to go with balanced stats, which was not optimized for how you play these games, and uh, then I transitioned, and then they just sort of, like, hit my aesthetic and uh, my sensibilities uh, so much so much better, so much more squarely. Um, How about you, as, as for me, I um, I think that so when Demon Souls first came out, like I you know read about it and stuff. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. I would love to do that. And so I bought Demon Souls like the day it came out, and then was too scared to play it. Uh, like got intimidated and like never played it. And it wasn't until Dark Souls was free on Xbox Live one month. Uh, and I was like, okay, people say Dark Souls is better than Demon Souls, so I'll play that. And that's when I get really into it. And that was like, that was right. I, I had started, um, I had started a transition and, uh, this ended up being an aborted attempt at transition. Um, but it was right. I, I felt like absolute shit. I was in uh, grad school. It was in the summer and I didn't do anything or participate in any optional grad school events and stayed in my room and played Dark Souls and was miserable the entire time. Uh, <laughs> but I did enjoy Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah, so not miserable because of Dark Souls, miserable right, because yeah. of other extenuating circumstances. Right, yeah. And uh, and then I played all of them. Then I played Dark Souls 2 and, and Bloodborne and 3 and uh, and everything. And uh, And I'm currently not quite done with Elden Ring. So, um, yeah, I got, I got really into it. Um, listen to, uh, Olivia and I were talking about, uh, before we started, there's a, there's a podcast called Bonfire Side Chat that is run by two very That's sweet cute. boys, uh, that, they are, they're um, good boys. They are. <laughs> um, and, uh, if, yeah, you, if people are, are into that, they should, they should listen to that. It's, it's a, it's a great show about all the Dark Souls stuff. Most That's of awesome. the information that I know about Dark Souls comes from that. So, they do have a Patreon, and if you want to stay current on their Elden Ring coverage, you can participate in that. Uh, most of their Dark Souls-focused episodes are free on pretty much every podcatcher that I'm aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's very popular. We're not doing them any favors. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's uh, fair. Yeah, so, um, obviously, like, and the the gender stuff, like jumps out i mean the first big obvious thing is in dark souls 2 there's a very famous at this point sex change <laughs> coffin yeah um which is interesting because it's right at the beginning of the game guarded by this big troll and when you first find it like it doesn't tell you what it does it's not like you walk up to it and it says sex change coffin yeah um you 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 walk up to it and it says interact and you get it you get in the coffin the door closes this the lid closes the screen goes to black and then you get out of it and apparently nothing has changed because it's a third person game but two things you're likely wearing armor and a helmet and two if you're 
if you're hollowed, if you're if you're dead, as you spend most of Dark Souls 2, honestly, you're going to look like a skeleton no matter what. So it can be hours and hours and hours, and you can go, like, halfway through the game before, like, you turn human or take your helmet off and realize that, like, what, why am I a boy? Like, I very distinctly did not play this as a boy, and somehow I've become a boy, if yeah. you're me. Uh, that's exactly how my story starting HRT went. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's funny because that sort of uh, happened to me too, only I was playing it as a boy at the time, and I noticed and I was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, cool. All right. Well, I think Olivia, ha- uh, we've got some uh, discussion questions here, and Olivia has uh, has a big one. Yeah, I do. So with recorded history, the lore in these games, for example, it's mm-hmm. important to consider who is doing the speaking or writing in this case, as Lord Gwyn seems to have encouraged Gwendolyn to be, quote, raised as a daughter, more out of desire to retain power than anything, with her affinity for moon magics being a distinctly feminine trait in the world of Dark Souls. It seems unsurprising to me that Gwyn's scribes would in turn misgender Gwendolyn in historical writings, be it out of apathy, misunderstanding, or malice, if they bothered to mention her at all. For me, this all raises a lot of feelings about the severe lack of recorded history of trans activists, let alone of trans people, in our world. Or things like the erasure of Magnus Hirschfeld's groundbreaking gender work for the Institute of Sex Research, um, which is technically in a German, but I'm not going to attempt that. So just Google that if you're looking for it. Don't want to try to say Wissenschaft or whatever it is. Uh, Godspeed if you want to. I'm not doing it. Uh, In the early 19th century Germany, uh, by the rise of the Nazi party. Does this bring the big feels to anyone else? Uh, Not until you wrote it that way, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I hadn't really put that much thought into it, but I certainly have some feels now. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's my goal to always read one level too deep into everything, so you're welcome. I mean, yeah, I mean, the thing about about all of this is, like, one thing that that kind of we have to say is that you don't even have to encounter Gwendolyn in the game at all. Like... Dark and Orlando and Gwendolyn. So you can meet Gwendolyn without shooting the illusion and realizing like people have played Dark Souls and don't realize the Dark and Orlando thing even exists. Like all of this is completely hidden in the game and it gives you no clues, basically, that Hmm. anything will happen. Like you can meet you can you can talk to Gwendolyn through the door, but you won't meet her if you don't shatter the illusion. So. All of it is extremely hidden. Uh, Gwendolyn is is forgotten in some ways even more than the Nameless King. So Gwen has three children, at least. Are there? Is there another one? I think Dark Souls Three might have mentioned that there was another daughter or something, but I, yeah. I'm not I'm not big really up on my Dark Souls Three lore. There is in the DLC. Okay, yeah. Um, so there's there's the eldest son, the God of War, the Nameless King, who. Everybody thought was Solaire until Dark Souls 3 came out. Um, Sorry, Solaire. Neither here nor there. You're still sweet boy. We still love you. (laughs) Yes. Guinevere, his daughter, and Gwendolyn uh, is the youngest. And there's all of these statues in Orlando. There's Gwyn. There's then a statue of Guinevere. And then there's like a plinth with no statue on it on the other side. And this is in reference to the, the oldest son who was disowned because he aligned with dragons and was whose name was scrubbed off of everything and is only known as the Nameless King. But in terms of Gwendolyn, there's even less. Like, Gwendolyn didn't even get a plinth next to the other statues. Um, so it's, it's complete erasure, um, much like trans history for most of the... Most of history, yeah. Yep. Well, and I think maybe not even, I mean, yes, obviously with trans history, but like also maybe like with a lot of trans people's trans present. Um, I don't know about y'all, but like if you go to my folks place, like there are a ton of pictures of my sister. There's like a ton of pictures of my mom and my dad. And there is maybe the occasional picture of a boy that nobody can really figure out who the fuck that is. um, Unless you know, but there are like very few pictures of me. 
Um, honestly, there are very few pictures of me that like exist, and there are certainly no placards that I'm aware of. But if there are, and you do have a Jacqueline placard, please take a picture of it and share it with me. Um, I'm weirded out, but flattered. Um, but yeah, so it's like I think that that's sort of like not just uh, an unfortunate reality of trans history, but that's also sort of how things are for a lot of people. Yeah, um, that's a really which, good point. Very, very true. Yeah, it's sort of like that. You you say. Um, isn't it weird that like the 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 trans character like there's no anything that suggests that they might live here and be their parents' child and I'm like oh no that's not strange at all I think that's sad but normal <laughs> yeah it is extremely normal actually yeah. unfortunately yeah um Gwendolyn also um is kind of a cop <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. so in the game there's a bunch of covenants that you can join which are mostly like ways to interact with multiplayer and Gwendolyn is a covenant leader and so the way that you meet Gwendolyn um okay she's not a cop she's a um uh what, what am I trying to say a spirit of vengeance she's a um oh my god what is, what are, what's a, what's spider-man uh, vigilante? vigilante a vigilante please please cut out me re- not remembering the word vigilante um, that is distinctly please, please the opposite of a cop <laughs> but okay all right I'll, I'll just explain it so the covenant is called the blades of the dark moon which is um her little club so the way to talk to gwendolyn is you go up to a statue of uh gwen at his tomb and you can talk through the door to gwendolyn and gwendolyn says you know i am the dark moon gwen or the dark sun gwendolyn uh, and you know you can I join do, my covenant. I do want to point out, just since we are in audio, that is Dark Sun S U N. Oh right, yes, yes, S U N. There's a lot of of Sun S U N talk in Dark Souls. It's very much about the sun. Uh, praise the sun. Praise the sun. Um. So Gwendolyn says, you know, you can join my covenant. If you join the covenant, you become a we'll say vigilante. Uh, although you are tinted blue. Um. <laughs> Olivia no, just no. did the Olivia just did the praise the sun gesture by the way. Um hey blue blue tinted lives, you know, they matter. Yeah. Oh um, no. <laughs> so what you do oh, is geez. uh there's a there's a mecha- this is extremely complex. Uh there's a mechanic in the game called sin and if you kill innocent people or uh NPCs or you know, there's ways that you can accumulate sin, which is a hidden stat that you cannot look up. Um and we'll tell you, you'll you'll have a, an accumulated amount of sin. And for people who have sin, Gwendolyn's Covenant is about invading those people and killing them. So throughout, there's many mechanics in the game where you invade people for different reasons. And the Blades of the Dark Moon, uh, sometimes called Blue Cops uh, by the... Um, <laughs> by fans of the game, is you invade people's... Allegedly. Right. Invade people's worlds who have committed sin and kill them uh and uh so that's kind of her whole deal um do we do we know why do we know why she's because she's like associated with velka the goddess of sin i don't think we ever get a clear answer on that one i mean that is not a lot of answers in the in the game in general the modus operandi of the from software legacy is not a lot of clear answers. Uh, which, I, I mean, I will say, while it might be frustrating in this moment as we are trying to define what the thing is, I do think that it's incredibly thematic for this podcast, which is to say, sitting down and trying to figure out which things can and cannot be part of the trans head canon by discussing oh, right, them intensely. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, um, like, we don't have a lot of clear answers, but that's okay. This game's not about that. Neither is this podcast. Also... You know, the need for queer vigilantism. Sure, Uh, yeah. The system doesn't necessarily have our back in a lot of ways. Um, It's true. It's interesting. There's also a bit of uh, Gwendolyn, as much as as it seems that Gwen does not care about Gwendolyn, uh, um, it seems that Gwendolyn does still seem to care a great deal about her father because she is guarding Gwen's tomb. When you go and, oh, by the way, we should mention that you know, when you go and meet Gwendolyn as it is, you fight her because that's what you do in these games. Like you, you kill everyone. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, yeah. And the fight is, it's pretty cool. It's a really, it's an endless hallway uh, that just 
you actually, I think you can reach the end of it, um, but usually you don't, uh, where she teleports away from you, uh, fires magic missiles, and occasionally you'll run up to her, you'll hit her a few times, and then she'll disappear and teleport away from you and shoot magic missiles, and you run down the hallway. It's fun. And uh, the music's cool. Um, But, so she's in Gwen's tomb. She's guarding her father's uh, empty uh, tomb because he's at the first flame, which is neither here nor there. Uh, But when you kill her, she has a really cool mask, um, which looks like the sun. And even though she has an affinity for the moon, she seems she loves the sun because the item description uh, on her headpiece says this. The Dark Sun Crown item uh, tells us it reflects Gwendolyn's deep adoration for the sun. Uh, oh, look, uh, she's got one. Yeah, she's got a little. Is that that's not a Funko Pop, is it? No, absolutely not. God, no. <laughs> she that's was head is way too small to be a Funko Pop. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm out of here. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I've offended you. Um, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, she has a deep adoration for the sun, and the mask reflects the sun, um, which seems to me to believe that she is still craving her father's acceptance, even though she's A, never going to get it, and B, he's never going to return, because he's being consumed by fire eternally. Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, spo- spoiler alert, things yeah. don't, I mean, things don't end great for anybody in these games. No, they but don't. Gwyn Gwen is not living his best on life right at this time no one no one is and um i mean with that do you want to um talk about well let's take an ad break actually hey guess what so we have a patreon and patreon subscribe patreon subscribers get shout outs on our podcast that are themed based on the episode that we're doing. So congrats, uh, Deandra Burke for getting good, uh, Alexis Perez for always remembering to praise the sun, and Fritzy Adams for supporting us in jolly cooperation. Thanks, guys. Okay, uh, yeah. So, um, Olivia, do you want to tell us what happens to Gwendolyn in Dark Souls 3? Because I did not remember at all. (laughs) (sighs) That's fair. Nothing great. Um, Let me kind of pull this up to just sort of refresh my memory because it's been a little bit. I'm just going to say Dark Souls 2 is not a uh, is not a traditional sequel to Dark Souls. Um, It is set in a different world, possibly millennia later. And there's tiny little references to Dark Souls 1, but it is not a direct sequel at all. Dark Souls 3 is very much a direct sequel to Dark Souls 1. So a lot of the characters that you meet in Dark Souls 1 show up in various forms in Dark Souls 3. Let's go ahead. So by the time of Dark Souls 3, Gwendolyn has sort of taken over Anorlando as the uh, king of the gods. I'll say monarch of the gods. However, there is a magical mad scientist who has become the Lord of Cinder and a gross slug person. And essentially... You meet Gwendolyn as a literal husk of her former self, being consumed from bottom up, a little jealous, as (laughs) a boss in the game, Uh uh, where it's it's literally the top half of her body, um, but instead of the glorious snakes that we saw in the first game, it's this disgusting slugman uh, named Aldrich. Um, he is using her as a shell and casting some of her magics at you. Um, and it's pretty tragic. Nobody has a happy ending in the Souls games. But to me, this really sticks out as something pretty vicious. Uh, We don't see a lot of the terrible fates of our Dark Souls 1 cast and crew we do see the husk of the fair lady, uh, one of a couple of spider sisters, and that is a whole other thing to get into, but <laughs> it's just a dried out artifact at that point. Um, unlike with Gwendolyn, where this is truly her horrific fate. And I do think that her undeath in Dark Souls 3 
does sort of play into the bury your gaze trope. And I was wondering how everybody else feels about that. Not great, I'll tell you that. So I hadn't played it, so this is the first time hearing of it, because I never made it through Dark Souls 3, because I have um, issues with uh, sitting down and playing video games for a long time. Um, but yeah, so no, that's that's pretty horrific, and also super depressing. And also, I mean, all I'm saying is, is that consumed from the bottom up by a weird slug creature sounds like as good of a metaphor for body dysphoria as I can possibly imagine. So right. I don't feel like I need to do any work there at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a big oof. Yeah, she's like a really puppet, hoping that really. It's like, yeah, it, it move her, it moves her around. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, and I had forgotten completely about it until Olivia mentioned it uh, in the, uh, before you were recording. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> it's gruesome. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, it's also just sort of unpleasant. Like, I know that the game doesn't, like, ever specifically say that this character is trans. It's sort of, like, left up to us to interpret. Um, and because, boy howdy, the number of trans girls that I know who play these games is incredibly high. I have definitely heard this interpretation about 3,000 times, it feels. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like... It does feel super frustrating because, like, at the very least, even if the game does not treat her like a trans person, the character is definitely, like, gender non-conforming in a way that, like, it's... It feels particularly wrong to see a grotesque fate to a character like this, especially when they don't fit into conventional gender roles or norms or stereotypes. Um... But that's just my two cents. I also don't, like, know necessarily how it hits in the game. So maybe it feels better having played it. What do you guys think? No. 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 Oh. No. Oh, good. So not at all. Um, like <laughs> right. I said, like, I, I I don't remember a lot of Dark Souls. I, Dark Souls 3 is definitely my least favorite. Like, I don't think it's a bad game, but mm-hmm. I, I have a lot of issues, especially with, like, the, the story and stuff of Dark Souls 3. Um, so, yeah, it's just something that yeah. I, I've only played it once and I, I kind of forgot about it. The other thing to say is that Gwendolyn is, like, Gwendolyn has breasts. Um, Gwendolyn, like, is still, like, presenting as female as an adult. Also, even though the line is, like, raised as a girl, he did this, etc. If, yeah. like, you, she looks like, she looks and presents uh, female, aside from the snake legs. Um, which are probably thematic as well. Um, there's something else. There's an item description. I think it's on the Covetous Serpent Ring, where it says, Serpents are imperfect dragons and a symbol of the undead. Um, so mm. I don't know what that means, like why she has snake legs. If she... There's all this stuff about like it's humans versus dragons in this game. And so if... You know, Gwendolyn was experimenting with like, you know, maybe trying to turn herself into a dragon is maybe a theory or if she, you know, had some kind of kinship with that. Or there's the other thing. There's another there's another character called Seath who may have done like an experiment on her or something. And and we have we have no way of knowing. Hmm. It's all just complete speculation. But it does look rad, uh, though, her <laughs> snake legs. It's, it is a vibe. It is yes. definitely a vibe. Yeah. And I, you know... I don't think it's too hard to read in. Hey, I desperately want the bottom half of my body to be different. I am willing to accept the risk that my legs may become snakes. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, I was yeah. gonna say if anybody's got a line, if anybody's got a line on that snake leg HRT, get at me, please. I would like to become <laughs> reptile. Yeah, I mean it seems to work well for her. Yeah, well until it doesn't, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm. I just meant the snake legs. Like, she gets around okay. But, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, you know. Like with many things with Dark Souls, uh, it's a huge bummer. It's a huge bummer. Yeah, I have noticed that there's a lot about these games that's a huge bummer, I will say. Um, But uh, things that, like, aren't a huge bummer is, um, I do think that, weirdly enough, despite how dark and terrifying a lot of these games are, many of them are filled with, like, this weird... Perhaps a little morbid, but still, like, very much their sense of, like, adventure and wonder. Um, as oh, I've been yeah. playing through the newest one very, very Definitely. slowly, like, occasionally I will just encounter a thing where I just, like, am at a loss. Where it's just, like, this isn't, like, a hard boss fight or, like, a particularly difficult place to navigate through. It's just, like, wow, would you look at the fucking skybox of this place? It looks like... 
Yes. Like, I don't know. My God, it's full of stars. So going down that elevator to the sheet for a while. Yeah. 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 I just sort of like, I had to put my controller down for a bit. And so I, I do think that like, um, to say that these games are dark and a bit of a bummer, that is definitely true. But, um, you know, the, the sense of like, I don't know. I think the sense of adventure and self-discovery is like stronger in these games that have like eight words of dialogue than basically like any other games that I've played in forever. Um, the level of self, yeah. like the level of control you have over how your character looks and how you interact with the world is like pretty massive. Which yeah, you really probably, and I feel like. S- s- oh, I was just gonna say, and I think that hilariously leads into our why do trans women like this game so much point. Um, and the fact that both of you well, opened your mouths to answer immediately <laughs> leads me to believe that, that that's that's true. <laughs> I think that's that's such a good point, though, because what is more trans than finding the moments of beauty and wonder in a world that is actively hostile to you around every corner? Yeah, exactly. It's sort of like... Um, yeah, sure, this sucks that I guess maybe a slug might eat my cool snake legs, but at least I get to see a very, very pretty sunrise. Um, yeah. You know, and yeah, you just, you have to find small sometimes, little things, and those little things help you keep going. Sometimes there's a turtle, you know? Sorry, there's... we... we keep... <laughs> sometimes there's a turtle. Sometimes Life there's a turtle. The just one, beautiful, yeah. The sometimes, the, sometimes the turtle's a pope, yeah. Yeah. The only good pope, <laughs> that yeah. turtle. Good pope. I would I would subscribe to that series. Yeah, that's fair. Turtle pope. <laughs> yeah, it is. It seems like it's it. It seems like every trans girl I know is super. It's 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 very telling that you know when I used to be on YouTube many years ago and like watch all of these like souls like deep dive people like years later I go back and like three of them have transitioned. I was like, well, that's not a surprise, honestly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just one uh, after the that- other, like the uh, the the podcast that Olivia and I were talking about. If you're in their like Slack thing, there's like like half those people are trans girls. Like it's wild. <laughs> not not surprised even in the slightest. Yeah. yeah, like as I was playing through, I I like started playing through Elden Ring, and then I had like ten ten different trans girls that I know be like, "Hey, did you reach this point of the game yet?" And I'm like, "I didn't even know you were playing this game." Like what happened? <laughs> so, yeah, it's it is it is literally like uh you can't you can't throw a rock without hitting a trans girl who loves Dark Souls. Yeah, it's me. I'm one of the girls sorry, that message Jack about. Oh, right. <laughs> it, it's me. That I'm is girls. true. Yeah, <laughs> it's me. I'm girls. Um, if it helps, you are not alone. There were ten ten total people who were like, "Tell me when you get here." I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> so, and that's another thing. Um, like these games are they're they're so obtuse, and there's so like these these weird moments, like these things that like come out of nowhere and are so striking and singular that you immediately want to talk to somebody else about it. It's it's a way that I think the games kind try to rekindle the like community aspect in a lot of ways because it is something that like the internet has changed the way people play games in a lot of ways. And the Dark Souls yes. series, I think, yes. really kind of marries that. Like, it's intended for you to figure stuff out online. Like, there's a there's a mechanic in all of these games where you leave messages for other people. And, you know, you there's a little symbol on the ground and you touch it and it'll show up something. And sometimes it'll say, you know, in front of a turtle, for example, it'll say, dog. You know, and it'll say, you yeah. know, try jumping off of a bridge and it'll say, you know, if there's a, a, a corpse leaning over, it'll say try finger butthole, which classic comedy. Yeah. And there's. <clears throat> yeah, of course. You know, they love it. They love it. Uh, woman ahead, therefore liar, you know, classic misogyny. Just, just as funny every time. Yeah, we, yeah. we love that. Amazing chest ahead. We love that. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, we should say, like, you can't write whatever you want. You have to put words together. Like, it gives you words and phrases, and you have to Mm -hmm. put them together. So there's there's some things that are, you know, creative and funny and, you know, a lot of terrible uh, uh, homophobia and misogyny. But um, the point is, like, it's expected for you to get help from other people. They expect you to go to the wiki and look things up. It's integrated into the game in that way. And it really creates this community that a lot of other game series don't have. Um, and I think that's I think that's great. I think that's really kind of beautiful. And the way that 
the trans community like like attached itself onto this is 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 really cool well and i think part of that so like that point so i think i think part of it is that like um so much of like a lot of trans people's transitions is like um asking asking your elder trans folks for help in the same way Mm -hmm. that dark souls really feels that way it's like uh, these stupid little messages, like most of them will say "try fingers but whole," but every once mm-hmm. in a while you get one that's it's like not hey, bad advice hey. anyway. Yeah, you should. I mean, it's not, but you should. <laughs> you should try doing your makeup like this or whatever. Um, yeah. And like in in that regard, this dumb little message system is kind of like the Susan's place of being good at this video game. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's it's Jack, always do like, not make that the title. <laughs> If you make it that is. the title, uh, that's going to be the title I now. Love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, try fingers, but whole semicolon. The Susan's place of getting good at Dark Souls. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> to that uh, point, though, I think getting good as part of the community. Like, I would have never figured out my gender if I didn't get the opportunity to have a series of incredibly long talks with my transmasculine non-binary friend, Juke. I would Mm -hmm. have never figured out how to get good at Bloodborne if not for the help of some friends that had played a significant amount of the Souls games before and told me, hey, your specs are bad. Don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Getting, Getting good has become a meme, right? But in a lot of ways, the reason it's become a meme is you do sometimes just have to smack your head up against one of these bosses over and over again until you absorb enough information to develop muscle memory for their patterns and really get that sight of when they're going to come after you and when it's safe to get in that ass and stay in that ass. And (laughs) also not bad advice. In a way, maybe not the intended way, but in a way... That feels a lot like figuring out sexuality, figuring out gender. I delayed things for so long because I knew that I wouldn't wake up in my ideal body. And I let that be an excuse to not move towards it for a really long time. And getting good at that meant accepting that sometimes it's okay to look at eliminations of things like... I know I am not a cisgender man and go from there. It's not looking in the negative, but cutting out other options that don't fit right before you can land on what fits. And yeah, yeah, that can transfer right over to, oh, this is a build that I like. Oh, this is the order I want to go in some of these. Maybe I am the kind of player that wants to, quote unquote, get good and take on all these bosses at once. Maybe I'm the kind of player that hits a wall and summons cooperation, jolly cooperation for one of the bosses that's giving me a hard time. And that's fine, too. These are just as valid as any other way to play the game. And I think there's something very queer if not specifically trans about that experience yeah Yeah. absolutely um it the the more we've talked about this the more like it has just absolutely made perfect sense that like all all of the people that i know who love these games are like trans girls i before we were going to record this podcast some stuff like uh got in the way of this earlier in my week but i was actually just going to go around and ask ask a lot of my friends just like hey what is it about dark souls that you like so much Um, Mm -hmm. and the only a couple of responses that I received while I was still able to handle them was basically just like, I don't know. I like figuring things out myself. I like, I like the exploration of it. I like the understanding that things may be hard, but that I will eventually get them down. Um, and I think that that's like oddly, weirdly inspirational because so many of us have such a terrible, awful time in the world but the 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 preservate like the the perseverance of like trans femme folks especially is i don't know it's it's something that i find uh very inspirational it makes me you know keep going when i feel like shit and in that regard like we are sort of supporting each other and not to keep bringing it back to this but that is like what 
these messages and the community that the game tries to foster is doing. Like, yeah. I remember I banged my head against one of the bosses in Elden Ring for like two and a half, three hours, and I finally beat it. Um, and when I beat it, the first thing that I encountered was a sign, like a little sign on the ground that just said, you did it, you're here. And I was like, that oh. fucking rules. Yeah. It's just, that's beautiful. That's yeah. sort of like how, yeah. And, and that's sort of like how I feel like when I came out, uh, when my egg finally cracked, like that was one of the first things that somebody said to me was like, Hey, you did it. You're here. <laughs> and that rules. It rules. And I think oh, it's worth amazing. pointing out yeah. the messaging system, the community can up and downvote it in every game. So yeah. while you do get people using it to troll, a lot of the time those will get downvoted to the point where they disappear, unless it's a particularly goofy troll of a ledge late in the game and it says try down. Yeah. Usually they go away. If somebody is putting out that there is a fake, fake wall that you can destroy but can't actually... Um, I've noticed in Elden Ring a lot of the time, by the time you get there, that message is gone and there's just a different message that was in front of it that's got a ton of upvotes that says liar ahead. Yeah. The community does, in their own weird way, look out for each other in these games. And I think that's cool. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. It's a good game. Um <laughs> I like yeah. it. It's good when it's going to inspire me to go back and finally finish the last, you know, three bosses of Elden Ring that I haven't beat. Do it. Yeah. Not to, so I was going to say, not to tattle on myself, but I leaned over and started the install for Dark Souls 3 on my second monitor over here because I was like, maybe I'll finish nice. that. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, I think probably uh, that means it's time for pluggables. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, Olivia, tell us about yourself. Do you have anything yeah, to plug? Yeah, where can we find or... you? Yeah. And so I swear to God, do not I... say try fingers butthole when I say, do you have anything to plug? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me rewrite the script in my head. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're good. Um, I am currently... Um, Pretty much available on most platforms as Fix Your Heart or Die. That is F-I-X-U-R-H-E-A-R-T-O-R-D-I-E. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Insta. I'm not super active on there. But if you want to give Facebook clicks, I'm sure they'll appreciate it. And I am also a streamer. I haven't done it a ton lately, but privy to this discussion... I platinumed Elden Ring, and it's really given me the itch to go back through the other Souls games that I haven't platinumed and do that. So I am planning on getting that going. I don't have a date set yet, but if you follow me on Twitter, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm going to advertise them there. So I'm also on Twitch. That's also Fix Your Heart or Die, F-I-X-U-R-H-E-A-R-T-O-R-D-I-E. Because we are all huge nerds, we've made four categories for us to place things in. The categories are headcanon, things that are just trans because we want them to be. Two, major gender stuff, lots of gender things happening, but not necessarily transgender things happening. Three, all but explicit, literally the only thing missing is the use of the labels that would be appropriate for the time. Or four, literally trans. It is literally a trans story with trans elements described in the trans language of the time. Olivia. Where do you think this falls on yes. the scale? So for me, personally, this feels literally trans. But I think trying to take a more objective approach to it, I would lean towards all but explicit. There's so much in the story of Gwendolyn that parallels real-life trans experiences. But the labels of the time were roughly the labels that we have today. And without them taking that extra step to glue those two things together. To me, all but explicit fits the best. Her story is so powerfully trans, but I don't think that we can ignore that it's never presented literally that way. 
Yeah. 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 I think um, I'm right there with you. I think I would probably say there's like 3.5, um, like somewhere between those two things. I think that in Elden Ring, there's a character where they do use different, I think is more literally trans. Like they, into, in fact, the game itself changes pronouns. Um, so I think that would probably yeah. be uh, considered li- like from software's literally trans uh, like character and, and elements. But for this, I think it, it is, it falls just short of that. So it is all but explicit. Yeah. We might have yeah, to come back think, to that sometime, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fair. But yeah, I think I think y'all are both correct about that all but explicit. It is, like I said, they don't quite use the terminology, but yeah, it's, it's so hard to ignore. Um, if the intent was just to make Gwyn a twink who looks like a girl, like, you wouldn't give her, give her boobs, you know? So. You wouldn't yeah. give her Anyhow. boobs. Yeah. I'm always saying this. Oh, yeah, we exactly. should also mention that the voice actor, I am not 100% sure about this. I did not look it up, but it appears to be a boy, like um, like a child. It certainly really? sounds that way. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. Weird. Super weird. And, and, the, and the character is definitely an adult. Like, Yeah, yeah I was going to say, because like, I would assume so, because how much time passes between Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 3? Well, it's hard to say. The, Even by the, the events. Never mind, I shouldn't have asked yeah. a continuity yeah. question. <laughs> I shouldn't how many, have asked how many a more continuity hours do question we go? late in the game. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So definitely. Uh, yeah. So I think I think we're unanimously agreed upon a 3.5. Thank you for listening to this episode of Totally Trans, Searching for the Trans Canon. Uh, we have a Patreon that can be found at patreon.com backslash totally trans. If you back us at $3 or more per month, you can access our bonus episodes. And we have merch. You can find it on TeePublic and Redbubble, and we have links posted on Twitter and in the description of this episode. So please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode, and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, because we live in a cyberpunk nightmare oligopoly. Tune in next week, where Henry will tell us why Centaur World is totally trans. Totally Trans, Searching for the Trans Canon is co-hosted by me, Katie Coleman. You can find me on Twitter at Katie of the Lake. It is also co-hosted by me, Jacqueline Clyde, who you can find on Twitter at werewife, where underscore wife. All quotes and audio clips are being used under fair use. And our season five theme music is an open question, only to be answered by the passage of time and the magic of editing. We'll put a link in the description to the music. But um, until next week, keep searching. Sometimes there's a turtle. <laughs>